We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Alex is not able to join us tonight, so it's just me and Tyler again. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm full. Just had some uh, lobster tacos, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Lobster tacos, man. From where? Uh, it's called Guacamigos in Newport Beach. The food's overall okay but those lobster tacos are pretty good awesome man i'm doing great as well uh had some doghouse grill or firestone i know there are some people that live in uh san luis obispo that listen to us so uh great pulled pork sandwich Mm. fantastic i love that place nice so uh we're gonna have some fun today we're gonna do we're going to discuss some of the mock drafts that you guys sent us on twitter uh we got like 30 40 entries so we're obviously not going to be able to cover all of them um and obviously some of them do get a little redundant uh um you know just because of the of the sheer volume but and then we're also going to talk about some of the visits that the chargers have done with draft prospects and and we'll get started with that one tyler does any of of the names that the chargers have met with jump out to you as somebody that you think would be a really good fit for the chargers I think it fits all over the every box that needs to be checked is Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, a kind of a low production guy at Notre Dame. I think only like 20 catches, um, but a ferocious run blocker and a oh, guy yeah. that, you know, they're projected to get in like the fourth or so around. This is a great Virgil Green replacement. Yeah. Um, should they go that route? I love Virgil Green. We love Virgil Green. He did so well last year before he got hurt. Um, but at some point with his age, you want to move on if you can get a guy in the fourth round just to be that good run blocking, sometimes an option tight end. I think it's a perfect fit. And he's from Notre Dame. So I think everything lines up. He's from Notre Dame. It's a position, a blocking tight end is kind of a position of need for them. Virgil Green is leaving. I think it's a really good fit all around. I do as well. And, and you know, it, it's very similar to, you know, the conversation that was, was going about around Joshua Kelly last year. It's like, you know, he didn't catch the ball a lot, but he can do it. 
And mm-hmm. so Tommy Tremble, I think like he can be a versatile tight end and be able to catch the ball and give you some yards after the catch. He was just such an insane blocker that that's yeah. all Notre Dame had him do. And you mm-hmm. watch Notre Dame film and he's taking on edge rushers one-on-one, you know, he's leading a, as a lead blocker and just blowing dudes up. Uh, he is by far the best blocking tight end uh, or best blocker of the tight end group. If you want to say it that way uh, in this class. And, and, you know, you mentioned the Notre Dame thing. I yeah. think if you pick any Notre Dame player, I think Tommy Tremble would be near the top of my list. I think Aaron Banks, the offensive lineman, would probably be my favorite Notre Dame uh, selection. But Tommy Tremble certainly has has an argument to be made for number one on that list. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a perfect fit for the Chargers. And should they look that way, wouldn't surprise me at all. After watching him, I, I, it, I there are fewer more perfect fits in this draft, I think, than Tommy Trimble. Not that he's the greatest player that they could get, but that fit and need is so perfect for them. So uh, definitely keep my eye on him for sure. Absolutely. And for me, like the name that really jumped out uh, was Asante Samuel Jr., the cornerback mm-hmm. from Florida State. And, you know, he is a little undersized. And some people have, have said that, you know, maybe he might be best suited to play in the slot at the next level. But, you know, you watch his tape as an outside corner, and it's fantastic. And yeah. and him and Deami Brown, who I love, had a had a fantastic battle between the two of them this season. And you watch him compete, you watch him produce, and and to me, he's an outside corner, and he has good length. He's got good ball skills, and he can make up for you know being five nine or five ten or whatever he is. Uh, his dad did post a picture of the two of them next to each other, and the son is taller than the dad for whatever that's worth. Um, but he's somebody that I think would be a really great fit for what Brandon Staley wants to do. You know, you can uh, look at how he compares and how he measures up to a Darius Williams, somebody that can play outside, inside, play a little safety on occasion, hmm. uh, cover the deep third, cover the deep, you know, um, cover a, a deep half, if you will. And I think uh, Sante Samuel Jr. in the second round is something that would make a lot of sense for me. Yeah, second round. Okay, who who am I to, as someone who's almost the same height? Who am I to tell him that he's too <laughs> short to play football? You know, um, I think he's a fantastic corner, and like you've mentioned a couple of times, they don't have to to panic and take one of the big three corners yeah. at thirteen. There are some guys. I mean, I was just watching one game of Keith Taylor. I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty good. There are some guys in the second and third round that I, I think you can, you know, pull some pretty decent names and make them legit starters. And his biggest value right now is the fact that he's one of the few guys who's actually going to tackle the running back yep, or, or tight end or whoever it is. I don't think there's many guys outside of Horn, Samuel. Um, I think Taylor was a, was a willing player, but otherwise, um, you know, I, th- I think that value is going to keep him very high up there. And, you know, if we can give smaller receivers, I don't know, credit or do because, you know, they're, they're small, but they play tough. Like, why can't we do the same thing for corners? Right. I understand. And if you're going up against a guy who's six, three, like a receiver can get away with being shorter, I think more than a corner, but still, if you, if you do your job well, and it's clearly not a disadvantage yet, you know, look, these guys are in the second or third round for a reason. If they were, if he was yeah. taller, he'd be in the first round, no problem, right. but he's shorter. Um, so you're going to get him in the second round. And I think that's a great spot to take him. And, you know, the Chargers need it, whether they take him and he is their starter this year, or maybe he's just the starter next year. Like, you know, like Nwosu wasn't the immediate starter. Adderley wasn't the immediate starter. Uh, Henry wasn't the immediate starter, but they take him and they build him along. And then he just plugs in next year um, for, I guess, if Hayward goes or whatever happens at the corner position. I think it's a really good fit for them. Um, 
by all means, seems like a high character, good guy, blood in the family. Um, so I think it's a really good, another really good meeting for them that I'm excited about. Yeah, you know, it is. A, this is one of the most unfortunate situations uh, of which Tom Telesco has created. Is like, you know, the cornerback position is general in general something that teams need to be proactive about. Mm-hmm. And you know, he should have had the foresight last year to take a cornerback. And looking at Michael Davis potentially leaving, and Casey Hayward getting older, and Chris Harris getting older, uh, and so they might not be able to afford taking a cornerback in the early rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously with the offensive line needs and a pass rusher need. And so it, it might not be able to happen this year either. You know, they might just have to rely upon uh, the, those two returning to form and maybe Casey Hayward yeah. bouncing back. Um, but taking a cornerback in the second round to me makes so much more sense. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit. If you're going to take a non-offensive lineman in the first round, to me, it's an edge rusher because yeah. the edge rusher class is deep. But it's not like it, there aren't many other players that I can look at in the second or third rounds and be like, okay, I can see this guy developing into a star pass rusher. Mm-hmm. You look at the second round in terms of the cornerbacks, you have Samuel, you have Keith Taylor, you have Greg Newsom, you have all these, you have four or five guys that you could potentially yeah. get in the second round that I could see realistically becoming uh, a star cornerback. And I think that mm-hmm. really is like the difference for me. It's so much easier to find a cornerback in a later rounds than it is a pass rusher. And that's every single year. Obviously, you know, Greg Rousseau, uh, Pay, Aziz Ojulari, they're not Chase Young. They're not a Bosa brother. Sure. But they're still really high-end prospects, in my opinion. And so just the depth of the cornerback class and, you know, the perceived lack thereof has been one of the most overstated narratives, in my opinion, of this draft cycle. Because there are a lot of good cornerbacks in the second and third rounds that uh, I would be thrilled with if the Chargers were able to get their hands on one. I agree. And and the more I watch film on all these guys, whether it's you know, a couple of games, one game with, with Taylor so far, you start to notice that there is actually more depth in this draft than you I, I realized. Yeah. It's the reason you don't have to panic with receiver at 13. It's why you don't have to panic with um, with corner at 13. And, you know, I'm a fan of taking these guys. Look, the most mocked guy so far seems to be Quincy Roche in the third to the Chargers by every yeah. Chargers fan. And I get that. But there is a significant drop off in my like I, Quincy Richard is great in the third round. That's good value, I think. But there's yeah. a significant drop off between Ojolari and Quincy Richard or or Phillips or um, Pay or some of these guys or even Rousseau. Like I think just the pure talent of the two guys that are on Miami, um, the other two guys that aren't Rocher are just this is a really big drop off. And I think right. you have to capitalize on edge sooner and build to the trenches because what does uh, Gavino always put? Uh, no pressure, no diamonds. So Gavino's always saying that. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get pressure. And you know, I, I'm I'm trench pick either way at this point. I've kind of shifted towards I prefer offensive line, but I'll take a trench pick, and that kind of still satisfies um, you know, just building a team that way in the first round. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, I I still think offensive line should be the pick, but you know, again, yeah. you look at the second round and the kind of offensive lineman that they could grab grab there. Mm-hmm. You know, Landon Dickerson potentially, Creed Humphrey, um, you know, Dylan Radunes potentially, James Hudson, Walker mm-hmm. Little. Like, there are some good potential starting offensive linemen that they could grab in the second round. Again, I think you should take one in the first round, but they have options. And I think I agree with you, it has to be a trench pick. So, outside of the other uh, meetings that they were able to take, I'm not taking away anything like major, like, you know, like, you know, last year the Chargers didn't meet with Kenneth Murray at all after the combine and they still <laughs> drafted him. So, yeah, 
you know, the, none of these meetings signify that they're going to draft someone, but you can kind of take away patterns, right? And so, you know, you can look mm-hmm. at them meeting with Asante Samuel and Trill Williams, the cornerback, and maybe see that they are interested in a day two corner. You can look at them yep. looking meeting with Jarrett Patterson, the running back from Buffalo, and Shane Simpson, the running back from Virginia, and take away that they are interested in potentially adding a day three running back to the group. And so those really are the things that you take away from these meetings. Obviously, they could take, you know, Darius Stills, a defensive lineman from West Virginia, but sure. meeting with them doesn't mean that they are going to draft a certain player. Not at all. I think even Joey Bosa said, like, I heard from the Chargers once, and I had yeah. no <laughs> idea that they were going to take me, and then they took him third overall. So, you know, whatever happens is whatever happens. But it does look like just sifting through everything that, I really think because they met with Dylan Radunes and sure he's been mocked in the second round in some of these mocks, but he could legitimately go in the first round. So it really seems like they are looking at skill position players on day two, on day three, you know, some of those corner receivers, like a, I don't know if Rondell Moore is going to be there in the second, but you know, if he falls to the second, I think they're considerate. It looks like there's looking for these, these corners, these receivers, these skill position guys that they can get anytime after day one, because that day one pick, is going to be in the trenches. It's a tackle, it's a guard, it's an edge rusher, whatever. And everything else, all these meetings are to figure out which, you know, how do we want to fit the rest of these skill position guys on our roster? So that's the that's the only other really pattern I took away, which you kind of already mentioned. Yeah, definitely. So it, it's fun to look at, you know, I think in that meeting with Anthony Schwartz, it was cool to see, like it makes a lot of yeah. sense on paper. Uh, same with Rondell Moore, who I've kind of come around upon, you know, uh, I was not a huge fan of him, especially with the injuries, but, you know, going back and watching, I was watching his freshman tape uh, against Ohio State and Michigan State today. Mm-hmm. And, dude, like, <laughs> he just does things with the ball that, yeah. you know, you don't see out of many other guys. Like, it's him and Kadarius Toney mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of Amari Rogers who can yeah. create yeah. yards after contact as a receiver in, in the fashion that they do. So, fun players for sure mm-hmm. uh, who would add a lot of versatility to the Chargers offense. Yeah, I'm... Um- what was I going to say? I'm glad you're seeing, not seeing the light. You said seeing the light. I don't yeah. know if you're seeing the light just yet. I know you only have been making <laughs> your top 15 or so, um, but that's good. I actually was planning on coming in onto the show and saying, you know, hey, Steven and I disagree on this receiver and yeah. we're not butthurt about it. We're okay with it. Like we just disagree. That's fine. But then you yeah. watch some tape and you liked him a little more. What he was doing as a freshman, as ridiculous, freshman or whatever his first year yeah, in college freshman. was. It's ridiculous. Walking into Northwestern and going, hi, my name is Rondell Moore. I'm going to put up 200 yards and, you know, on 13 touches against you guys. Like, pfft. crazy. And this guy just doing, just roasting at everybody. Um, impressive guy for sure. If he's there in the second, I'll certainly consider it. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad you like him a little more. <laughs> you know, like disagreeing is fine. You know, like yeah, Jason and I sure. had a bunch of disagreements on players last year. And that's just. And you, you were know, right about see- all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we'll have to see how that pans out. He he was right on, on some players that I wasn't. Which right, one? But, uh, I <laughs> would have to go back and look. Sorry, Jason, if you're listening to that. Man. I'm kidding, Jason. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think disagreeing is fine and, and people see things differently. Sure. You know, I was uh, talking with John Ayers today about Deontay Brown, who I have absolutely zero interest in in any <laughs> round. Honestly. Like, I, I just don't see it. Uh, but a lot of Chargers fans think Deontay Brown would be a good fit and I, I could not disagree more and that's okay. It's just my opinion. Um, but it is what it is. 
he's a hell of a guy. He's a big old guy, but boy, does he not do anything like the Chargers <laughs> are used to seeing out of their guards or no. which is movement. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for as much as we dislike, you know, not dislike, but you know, have you know, not want Feeney anymore. He can move. Like these yeah. guys can move. They can pull. They can something. Deontay Brown is great, but he's he is in a phone booth, and that phone booth is packed. Yeah. Yeah, if you're asking him to do anything where that involves him getting to the second level, it's just not going to work. And I think, like, you know, the Chargers system is obviously up in the air, but I think it's going to be, you know, a heavy reliance on outside zone, on screens, on other things like that. Mm-hmm. Where the guards are going to have to get to the second level and make blocks, and same with the tackles, and same with the center. Uh, and that sure. is just not what Deontay Brown does at all. So um, we're going to get into no. these mock drafts that some of you guys sent us again. Uh, we're going to talk about six or seven, uh, depending on how the time goes. But uh, thank you so much for submitting them. And, you know, I had a lot of fun reading them. If we don't get to yours, I'm sorry. I, I hope that I responded. And if I haven't yet, I-, I will definitely do that. So the first one I want to talk about here is from Nate Stein. Um, he had the Chargers taking uh, Rayshon Slater at 13. He also mentioned that Elijah Vera Tucker fell at 23 uh, and potentially trading back up into the first round to get him. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about here is he had a Wyatt Davis at 47, Tyson Campbell, the okay. cornerback from Georgia at 77, and then Tyler Shelvin, the defensive tackle from LSU. He was mocked to the Chargers in this, like so many other people had him here. So I, I love that. And then Trey Brown, the cornerback from Oklahoma at 118, and then Jonathan Cooper. Uh, the defensive end from Ohio State at 160. So the reason why I, want, I thought this was really interesting is that he double-dipped at cornerback. He took Tyson Campbell mm. and Trey Brown. And again, you know, we talked about this earlier. Tontalesco had not been proactive. That's being very proactive, right? You know, whether you're yeah. potentially cutting Casey Hayward, you get two super athletic cornerbacks that I think would be really good fits in what the Chargers want to do uh, on defense. That's a good call to take two corners. I don't like Tyson Campbell, man. Maybe in the third <laughs> round. Holy Lord. I don't know. I don't understand. Look, nothing against him. He did fine. I'm obviously more of a Stokes person, but man, yeah. you got burned for 340 yards, five touchdowns, the pass rating 114 in college. You got destroyed by Alabama. And look, it's one thing to get roasted by Jalen Waddle. Everybody does. He was just late getting over to Waddle. He should have stayed with him and he got beat over the top. That's fine. But then he got, you know, this guy is supposed to be like a 100, 200 meter, you know, track, speedy burst kind of guy. He couldn't cover a hitch to save his life. Couldn't give an out, couldn't cover an out to save his life. <laughs> and he's getting beat over the top twice against Florida. They get beat over the top against Tennessee. Has no ball skills. I really don't see it with Tyson Campbell. Third round is okay though. I don't hate that one too much. But um, I don't know. I haven't watched Trey Brown, Jonathan Cooper. I watched one game of his so far, and Alex Leatherwood completely erased him. So. Yeah, but again, you're getting a guy in the sixth round from Ohio State. Um, I'm sure he's some upside somewhere. I just happened to watch probably his worst game. Tyler Shelvin is the guy I'll pound the table for um, because so his name is Tyler, and because look, <laughs> I mean, hell yeah, he's a guy who's like Deontay Brown, just big, has supposedly too much weight. He moves so well for a guy yeah, as big does. as he is. I am shocked at how well this guy moves. You know, and you can consider weight a problem, maybe, but it hasn't hindered him so far. He looked so good. I wish we had seen more. Well, I wish we had seen him at all in 2020. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate he opted out. I mean, it's a good job opting out. It's unfortunate that we <laughs> didn't get to see him. I got gotcha. you. Where he yeah. could be. 
Um, I, I don't know. It's a lot of these interior defensive linemen. They don't have what he has. They don't yeah. have that ability just to stop the run, to take two, three guys on and say, nope, I'm not moving. Thank you. You know, I know some of these guys can be more three, four defensive ends, but I always say like Barmore and Nixon, you know, these guys are probably maybe a three or four defensive end. They don't hold up against the run. They don't have what Shelvin does. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, he's being mocked here as the, you know, the, the, their, the Chargers fourth pick or the end of the third round. I think he might go higher just because I think, look, I don't care if his pass, pass rush win rate is 4.8%. I don't buy that, honestly. Apparently, it's not very good. I don't know. I just don't buy that when yeah. I watch it. it. just It's so much better. There's so much effort. He moves so well. I really think he's going to go earlier than their fourth pick in the draft. I agree with you. He could. Like, this defensive tackle class is not very good. And so, you know, taking somebody that is so safe, like Tyler Shelvin, earlier yeah. would make a lot of sense for teams. And, and you know, one of the first games that I watched of his was uh, the SEC championship game against Georgia. And, yeah. you know, if you know anything about Georgia and their offensive line, they love huge individuals. Like, you know, they have Ben Cleveland, for example, who – he weighs 340 pounds, but it's a different 340, 30, oh my gosh, 340 pounds. Um, and then I forget who their other guard was, but he plays for the Dolphins now. He was like a third round pick. And so the interior trio for Georgia weighed over a thousand pounds combined. And Tyler Shelvin was not moving. Like the three of them could not move Tyler yeah. Shelvin off the ball. And so, you know, you take all the problems that the Chargers have had stopping the run and being able to take Tyler Shelvin and say, okay, you are going to set the line of scrimmage for us. And that's what he does. Mm -hmm. Like that is his mantra. And sure. Like his pass rush win win rate might suck and he might not offer a a ton in that regard, but there's still a lot of value in players like that. And if you get him in the, in the second pick of your third round, like that's a, that's an awesome pick to me. And some people might not think, Oh, like, you know, they could have grabbed a receiver or something like that. But, you know, the Chargers run defense improves drastically if they get Tyler Shelvin, in my opinion. If they if they got him and had some rotation, Joseph, I mean, that's I just think. Oh, be nasty. I just think he's a guy. You, he's a guy you have to get. Like, I just think this fits so well. It's a proactive move by the Chargers who may not have Joseph next year, who knows what they're thinking of the rest of their defensive tackle class, which there are a bunch of pass rushers. They don't have I mean, I guess Joseph, but they haven't drafted a guy like this since they tried to like Ryan Carruthers back in 2015, who was that like oh, that wow. wrestler squatty guy. Yeah. Um, but otherwise they haven't really gotten a guy like this. And I just would love for them to take this guy because, you know, if some of these guys, some of the projection you're trying to do with these players is how did they get better from the last time we saw them over the past year, even though they opted out, I'd, I'd really think the teams are going to find out that he probably has, because I just think he has so much heart and works so hard. This guy is trying spin moves. He's a 356-pound nose tackle <laughs> who I've seen try spin moves awesome, multiple man. times. Late, very late, and not as really as a pass rush move, but just to get back in the lane as the quarterback is taking off or whatever. Like I have a feeling this guy's going to be a lot better, and we just don't really know it yet because we haven't seen him. Yeah, you know, the first week of the season, uh, DJ Reader gave the Chargers a ton of problems. Mm. And so... yeah. You know, if the Chargers could get their version of DJ Reader, I think that would be a fantastic selection. Uh, and I think Tyler Sheldon could certainly do that. And then obviously, you know, 13 and, and 47, taking two offensive linemen. Uh, it's a man to my own heart. I love those two selections. <laughs> um, taking Slater and Wyatt Davis is a no-brainer, in my opinion. 
Um, I'd be curious to see how that was, this board had panned out at 47. Yeah. You know, Wyatt Davis, you know, he's a back-to-back All-American. He's got a ton of name recognition. I think, you know, when I went back and watched this film, I was a little disappointed in how he played. But, you know, that could be a lot of different things. You know, COVID really did a number on Ohio State this season. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't really – I don't know how much stock to put into his 2020 tape. But, you know, when they played – um shoot when they played Alabama it was not pretty uh, against Christian Barmore and you know Christian Barmore is somebody that a lot of teams have and so I I understand why people have soured on him you know pro football network the other mock draft uh company like they still have him as a top 20 player and I get that um I think I'm a little lower on Wyatt Davis than I was previously yeah I was I, I, I kept hearing about this guy and I was thinking I was going to turn on the tape and find some really dominant guy. And there are definitely flashes of it. Um, but the first time I ever watched him live was against, well, was against Alabama it was not pretty. And then he got not. hurt. Um, so it just, I mean, credit to Barmore and some of those guys, but uh, yeah, it just wasn't super pretty. A guy we were talking about taking maybe at 13 overall. And now it's just like, Ooh, I don't think I would take him until the second round, but I would just be curious why Davis played right guard, right? Yeah. Yeah, compl- right. yeah. Okay. So I'm just curious if they did the person did Nate say with Slater was their tackle or their left guard? Uh, they or what not. they did in free agency? Uh, no. Okay, I'm going to assume Slater's their tackle. But either way, two guys on the offensive line. Fine by me. Works for me. Yeah. Absolutely. So Nate, thank you for that one. Let's move on to the next one, uh, which comes from Riley Williams. He says that Trey Turner was a cap casualty. He signed Corey Lindsley, Leonard Floyd, and Mackenzie Alexander, which I think would be a really interesting pick, uh, and also mm-hmm. re-signed Henry and Davis. Uh, and he also said Lamp, Perryman, Toner, Vigil, and Jenkins. So They signed yeah. all of those guys? I guess so. Um, oh, so right. his pick again, Rayshon Slater at 13, again, which is, was a very common selection. Sure. Uh, Landon Dickerson at 47, which we would love that selection. Uh, Tylen Wallace at 77, Paulson Adebo at 97, and then uh, the safety from USC, Talona Huvanga. I, I honestly don't know how to say that one. Um, and then Patrick Johnson, the edge rusher from Tulane uh, with the 160th pick. Well, thanks, Riley. I have not seen your third, fourth, fifth, and sixth selections, <laughs> so I couldn't really tell you much about these guys. And anything you know about Slater... Everybody's already said yeah. and Dickerson, who I was lower on before, but as soon as you get that all 22, great bumped up. You had a great breakdown, great bumped up. Um, ben Cleveland is another guy who's, you know, kind of the same bigger size, six, six, whatever guard. But Leonard Dickerson doesn't have those balance issues. I, Leonard Dickerson is just like a much better Ben yeah. Cleveland, in my opinion. And so the first two picks, love them. The next four, I am sorry, Riley. <laughs> great job with your scouting. I have no idea. Well, I know who they are. I just, I've not watched them yet. Yeah, so Tylen Wallace is somebody that really would interest me because, you know, I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in this class. Very similar build and skill set to Des Fitzpatrick. Um, Just Oklahoma State really only used him as a jump ball guy, which Uh I really kind of just was not super high on because, like, he can do that. But Uh he's only, I think he's only 6'1", 6'2". You know, he's not somebody that should be just a jump ball guy. Sure. Um, and then he went down to the senior bowl and he was able to show a versatile skill set and had a wonderful week down there. Um, so that's a, that's a pick in the third round that I think would make a lot of sense. Again, being proactive, potentially losing Mike Williams next year. Um, you know, maybe not getting development from KJ Hill, Joe Reed. So I think that would make a lot of sense. 
mm-hmm. I have not watched 2020 version of Paulson Adebo. Uh, I want to say he was like a high five star recruit to Stanford. Like he was one of their highest recruited players in program history. If I'm not mistaken, somebody correct oh, me wow. in the comments if I'm wrong. Um, but his 2019 tape was not pretty. Um, so 2020, I hope that he would have bounced back, but he's got really good size. I want to say he's like six, two got good length, good physicality. Um, just not super interested in him, but I want, I yeah. wasn't sure if you had watched him either. And then, you know, Talona Hufanga, the safety from USC, he's a, he's a missile, man. He hits people hard. He's a really athletic player. So again, that would make a lot of sense in terms of being proactive, mm-hmm. you know, giving Alohi Gilman some competition maybe. Right. And, and that would also allow Alohi to focus on special teams, which I thought would, was uh, an interesting idea. How would you compare Gilman and Hufanga in coverage? Uh, I would say Ufanga is more athletic. So I, okay. I think, you know, his traits would translate better in, in terms of learning coverage. But, you know, USC really used him as a box safety more than anything else. Okay. Um, so, you know, he he in an interview compared himself to Jamal Adams. I, I don't see that, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, why not? Yeah. If you're going to compare yourself to any safety and you're a box <laughs> safety, why not choose Jamal Adams, I guess. But. I just thought it was interesting, you know, potentially choosing a safety in the mid rounds. It's not really something that a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think you can't really rely on Gilman to play those snaps. You cannot at this point rely on Derwin James to be healthy. Um, obviously, Hufunga, you're not taking to start, um, but you need some guys behind these guys. So you're not retreading and taking Jalil Adai and Jalen Watkins, which you kind of maybe should have done earlier in the season. I don't know, Jalen Watkins was cut you should have retained those guys or you should have retained Watkins to have some of that depth behind you. Um, And instead they had to wait and then pray a die would figure it out. And then Watkins was cut and they finally got him. So having some more safeties behind this guy, um, some just more toys for Staley to play with. And I think they have a really good set of like DB coach, secondary coach, um, defensive coordinator and Staley. So I think this is a really good like culture and environment for these guys to grow in. So, you know, if he's a heat seeking missile, great like you need that on special teams you need something because they couldn't tackle for shit last season so <laughs> no if you can be a heat seeking missile and make some tackles fine by me like if that's your role so far that's great because that's more than they had last year yeah you know this is kind of different but you know the charters do have some restricted free agents this year that they've got to take care of and bj bellow mm-hmm. is one of them and i think you know not enough people are talking about what he did on special teams last year i think once he was activated to the full roster activated to the active roster uh, I thought he was the best special teamer on the team. So uh, BJ Bello, I think sh- is somebody that should be resigned. Uh, just a little tidbit there. So move on to the next one from Derek Radcliffe. This one is interesting. Like this is not something that a lot of people are talking about. And I really love the player individually that he has in the second round, but it's mm-hmm. just, it's interesting. Like this really like got the, got the wheels turning. So he had Samuel yep. Cosme at 13, which I love. And then he had Javante Williams, the running back from North Carolina at 47. Sean Wade, the corner from Ohio State at 77. Tyler Shelvin, Demetric Felton at 118. And then again, Jonathan Cooper at 160. So Tyler, a running back in the second round, man. What do you think about that one? I have secretly taken Javante Williams in the second round a couple of times <laughs> in some TDN mocks. The idea of having Eckler and Williams in the back oh, is so good. So- so good at breaking tackles though like yeah. Eckler is so hard to tackle whether it's elusiveness or just power having a guy like Williams 
if it not for Najee Harris, Williams, he just sometimes just play football like they're really good at playing football at their position. He just looks and acts like a running back. I don't understand how to like convey what that means, but sometimes you watch guys and it's like, that's just a running back. Javante Williams in the second round. I'm not a huge fan of the luxury picks like that in the second round, but like anything, you take care of something in free agency, you can maybe make that pick. And look, the Chargers have nothing behind Eckler that I would rely on at all. So I think the need for running back is legit. And if they took Williams in the second round, and if he's there, it really wouldn't surprise me because he he honestly might, if I don't know, looking at my imaginary board in front of me, he might actually be the <laughs> best player available at that point. Right. You know, a guy that I think you and I have a first round grade on being there in the mid of the second round, like that's really hard to pass up because there is kind of a need there. And Eckler has not played a full season as a, as a starter yet. You're going to need some other guy. Can't rely on Jackson. Can't rely on, on Kelly. I don't know where Pope is or Balazs is not returning or whatever. I think it's a legit need. Is it early? Yes. Would I do it? Probably not. But boy, would I be tempted. And man, would this be fun, especially because he took Cosme at 13, who I'm not as big a fan of as you are. But you start to build this offensive line, maybe took two other offensive linemen in free agency. Yeah. And I have Cosme at tackle. Then you have Eckler and Williams. Whew. Like I would, I would pay. Well, I'm already paying a lot of money to see it. So I, would, <laughs> I, would, I will be there to see it already. Oh man, Javante Williams on this offense with Austin Eckler, like that mm. is the perfect pairing because you yeah, know, I think everybody really knows everybody knows the problems that the Chargers rushing attack had once Eckler went down. Just because they didn't, yeah. you know, Eckler is elusive and strong. He can break tackles, and the Chargers didn't have that without him. And you know, Justin Jackson again has the health issues, and Joshua Kelly, mm-hmm. you know, has confidence issues, and I don't really know what to make of him going forward. So it's a massive, massive luxury pick, but at the same time, like mm-hmm. if you're looking at this board, you know, hypothetically, you know, and you're the Chargers, and you know, Dylan Redunes is gone, and Landon Dickerson is gone, and Joe Tryon is gone, like any mm-hmm. kind of cornerback, edge rusher, offensive tackle that you think, like, okay, this is a plug and play starter. If you want to just take the best player available, and it's Javante Williams, and that definitely could be a possibility, then I could see them making that happen because it is a need. Yeah. And you want to be able to use Austin Eckler in as much of a versatile role as possible. And so having a true, mm-hmm. like, complementary physical running back next to him, it makes a lot of sense. Again, in the second round, is a massive luxury pick. But I love Javante Williams, man. And him and Najee Harris are so, so close for me. And I yeah. don't think, like, everybody loves Travis Etienne, and I get that. But Javante Williams is just a wrecking ball of a running back, and he can do everything too. Like he can catch the ball, he can run outside, he can run inside, he breaks tackles, he's elusive. I love Javante Williams. This this is, was a really interesting pick. I love the pick. Um, you'd have to show me what you did in free agency. You'd have to show me what you did with your first round pick. Um, but otherwise, I I really like it. There was, I think it was against Miami. I wrote down this is the best run play I've seen of any back this oh, entire yeah. season. There's a play where I, I th- he must have broken five or six tackles. <laughs> it's insane. Left sideline. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Like, these are, you're playing against who? Miami? Like, I mean, they were so good. Um, and I mean, just, just watching Williams and Carter, I've seen Carter. I don't know what it is. I, Carter caught a ball down the sideline one time. And it was just kind of Eckler like that the, the size and the way I kind of saw him run. It just looked like Eckler for some reason. But the idea of having Eckler and Williams, I think is just, um, it's pretty. And, and Staley has referenced so many times. 
I want to take my offensive players and put them in the best position to succeed. What are they good at? Eckler is really good. You put them in the slot, run a slant. You put them on the outside, run a go, whatever it is. And yeah. you have Williams in the backfield to just run that football for you. And Eckler is your fun weapon on the out. Like, screw Joe Reed. Put Austin Eckler outside <laughs> and do whatever you want with him. Yeah. Holy cow. Like this, that would be something else. I I don't want to say it like I would do it, but man, <laughs> kind of oh, man. It, It's so tempting, man. And, and thank you yeah. so much for, for sending this, uh, sending this to us. But, you know, if you're looking at what like Joe Lombardi has had on the saints and like what, you know, Shane day has had on the Niners and obviously what the Packers have done. Oh yeah. Like all three of those situations, like they have a strong, strong one, two punch. And like, are they really going to look at Joshua Kelly and be like, Hey, like this guy is ready for to be our like unquestioned, you know, 12, 14 carry a game guy. I don't think that they're going to. And so, you know, yeah. we talked about the pattern of them, you know, meeting with these late round running backs. And to me, that makes more sense because of the needs, but man, sure. you talk about a perfect draft running back to, to pair with Austin Eckler and this mm. Javante Williams. So the other one that was really interesting to me is Sean Wade. And I know that Sean Wade did not yeah. have a good 2020 on the outside. It was, it was just, it was not pretty man. But if you're talking about like being proactive as a slot corner, you know, I think that's where Sean Wade could be best suited. And so if you're taking him to be that, you know, next slot corner after Chris Harris potentially leaves next year in the third round, like a, as a dart throw, you know, I wouldn't hate it. I'm not going to advocate for it. I certainly understand mm-hmm. why someone would take a shot on him in the third round. I think that's probably where he goes. And then you just hope that you're able to coach him back to what he was in 2019. And I think you can, especially if you have a guy like Harris in front of him and a great secondary around him and a good pass rush around him. Yeah, I, I, I if, if they take him, the 2020 season where he looked, Awful against some good competition. I mean, yeah, awful. Cornell Powell, Cornell Powell roasted oh, him. God. Everybody roasted him. There was not a guy. I mean, he's <laughs> like, I want all the smoke, and it was a complete Australia oh, fire. But poor guy, it was bad. Anywho, um, but if you can get a guy like that and develop him, and you get him in the third round, he was a guy that people had ranked as their number one corner heading into the season yeah. because of how good his 2019 season was. Don't quote me on who. I don't remember. Um, but if you can get somewhere, even if you can just kind of bump him to like second round value or maybe you can turn him into a starter one day and you get him in the third round, I think it's a pretty smart move. It is certainly proactive. The Chargers have not been very proactive so far, more reactive. That's why we're going yeah. to see a lot of offensive linemen. That's probably why they're taking up offensive tackle at 13. Um, but just being proactive to the future, whoever it is, like I think a corner right in this range would be pretty good. So if that's Sean Wade, you know, go for it. Tell him to let's go. He's not shied away from Ohio State players so far. You know, and... <laughs> It's Tom McShay, so take this with a grain of salt. But back in like September, he had he had Sean Wade going as like a top fifteen player, uh, and so again, take it with a grain of salt. ESPN is their draft coverage is garbage, but <laughs> um, you know taking a shot on, on a guy like Sean Wade, Sean Wade in the third round makes a lot of sense. And then Demetric felt in the receiver slash running back from UCLA. You talk about adding a versatile weapon, man. Getting Javante Williams, Demetric Felton, and Austin Eckler to be your main carriers of the football. Like, you know, I'm not saying Demetrik Felton is going to be a running back in the NFL, but he was one in college. And and so that potential versatility with Felton and Eckler, ooh, man, that would be, uh, that would be mighty tempting. 
I like it. If you have an, a coach as creative as the coach we're supposed to have, then I think this is a, is a wonderful pairing. I have not watched. I've watched one game of Demetrius Felton. It was like half the game, and he was a running back. I'm like, what? I mean, he's supposed to be a receiver. Like, what am I doing here? I'm watching running yeah. back tape. Like, yeah. I was gonna six, skip to the Senior Bowl and see how he did, but otherwise, um, hey, I'm all for it. And what you, I, I want to go back to what you mentioned about Williams. You mentioned, you know, all these different places that they've been. Um, you know, the coordinators or the whoever that they have these certain systems that have the one-two punch kind of guys. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, you're convincing me is what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is you're starting to convince me that this pick, that this second round pick is kind of a legit uh, discussion to have because, hey. you know, even uh, with Detroit, um, what's his Lombardi had Amir Abdullah, who they took in the second round, I think. I think so. So that actually kind of lines up. Then they had uh, Bell, I think, more, more of like a power guy. So I don't oh, know. Yeah. Like I could see it. Like it kind of makes sense. You could you legit know, write an article and make a case for this. I think we could honestly, like if you really, you know, in the world of like, you know, you sign Alejandro Villanueva, you sign Corey Lindsley, you could draft Cosme if you wanted to, you could draft Elijah Vera Tucker and the offensive line is like that much better. And you're mm-hmm. staying out of board without a viable corner or, or pass rusher or another interior offensive lineman. Like it could happen. Like Javante Williams, I think, yeah, he's so so good, man. And he is. You know, I I love Zach Moss. Like Zach Moss in terms of like being a, a bowling ball, you know, running back. Yeah. Like Javante Williams is Zach Moss with a little more juice. Like Javante mm-hmm. Williams is is such a good running back, and so uh, it's a very interesting conversation. One so, question I want to ask you real fast. Okay. Or hopefully it's fast. You like Samuel Cosme a lot. And one of the reasons you like him so much is not just what he does on tape, but you're also, especially after last season where you graded so many players, it's also about the projection of what he's going to do at the next level, what he can be. What makes you think, why is it that you think he can do that and not as much Darasaw? I don't don't know if I'm saying that right. That's a good question. question, But like, yeah. That is a good question. Um, You know, personally, I think... Samuel Cosme has better athletic traits to me. You know, I, I, I okay. look at Samuel Cosme and I see the second most athletic offensive lineman behind Panay Because I think Panay Sewell's athleticism, his balance, his agility, sure. his short area quickness is, is, is second to none. But, yeah. you know, Samuel Cosme, I think, to me, has the second best traits. And there are mm-hmm. definitely some things that he has to clean up. And, and really, mm-hmm. my biggest issue is that you watch him against Oklahoma and he's great. You watch him against mm-hmm. TCU and he's very good. You watch him against West Virginia and he's not very good. Like, it, like it, it, there's a little bit of like playing down to competition there that I'm I'm not mm-hmm. in love with that I'm not crazy about. Um, gotcha. And he does have this tendency to like backpedal into his pass set instead of like really exploding out of his stance, which that's gotcha. something that definitely mm-hmm. can be cleaned up. And I think that's something that a lot of people, a lot of scouts have looked at, and and it's not really like their favorite. And I get that. But to me, it's just projecting the athleticism, projecting the mobility, projecting the violent hands and the ability to be a urgent blocker. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I did just do my my scouting profile on Christian Derisaw. He is mobile and he can and he can definitely be a high level tackle. It's just the lack of like urgency with me. Like, I don't yeah. want to say it's like lackadaisical. I don't want to say it's lazy because it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Like he plays at his own pace. And that is a good thing. Sure. Like he does play under control, but mm-hmm. I, if I'm taking an offensive tackle at 13, I want to be able to see that urgency 
in, as a pass blocker, as a run blocker. And even though he's a little more inconsistent, Samuel Cosme does display it more often than Christian Darasaw does. Gotcha. Thank you. I, I just was always, I always wondered that because I know you felt differently about both players, but you could even argue that Cosby had more bad games, but then you, but you yeah. have him uh, held to a certain way. So I just, I was always just very curious about how you view those two. So thank you. Yeah, of course. It, it's definitely a traits versus like, you know, actual tape because Christian Darius's tape is better. I just think mm-hmm. Sam Cosby's traits you know, uh, they, there's a higher ceiling there in my opinion, but obviously that comes with more risk as well. Sure. So the next one I want to get to is uh, Felix. This is an interesting idea as well. So he has Quiddy pay at 13, James Hudson, my guy from Cincinnati at 47, Josh Myers at 77, Keith Taylor, who we mentioned earlier, the corner, Ben Cleveland, again, another one who we mentioned earlier, and then Ellerson Smith, uh, at 160 so he took two edge rushers and he took three offensive linemen and one cornerback so this definitely is a draft of need but what's interesting yeah. to me is doubling down on the edge rusher position you get quitty pay and ellerson smith who i know not a lot of people have watched because there isn't much because his 2020 season was canceled um, but he's got some really intriguing upside and traits as an edge rusher and getting quitty pay as well there is pretty interesting to me I think it's a good call. I mean, there was a point in the season where you're watching Emeka Egbule and Joe Gaziano and Isaac Rochelle all rush the passer. Oh, man. It's a different <laughs> system, but like you can't, I mean, it almost worked. It's the crazy thing, but uh, you can't do that. That is not sustainable. And so, I mean, yeah, Quiddy Page only fills one spot. He's only going to be one guy at one position. So, you know, looking ahead to the future, whether there be injuries, because Bosa isn't really all that healthy, or the fact that Nwosu is going to be gone. I haven't watched Ellerson Smith, so I couldn't tell you uh, where he plays or what he does other than edge. Um, but just looking ahead to these guys, because you're going to lose some guys. These guys are going to be injured. I think it's really smart to double down. And I, I always, if the production is there, like someone like slightly different, but Cortez Broughton, you know, was he really going to start over Jerry Tillery? No. Was he going to start over whoever they had, Justin Jones at the time? No. Um, but for him to have that high production, that high kind of upside, I think this is where he was this one, two, three, four. This is the fifth round he took Smith. Uh, fifth round, yeah, yeah. So I think you know around there. You know, at this point it's dart throw. So if the production's there, you know, find another guy who can maybe develop along the way. So I'm all for it. I think Quiddy Pay at 13 is not as unrealistic as you know. We, we already talked about it the last time we spoke. Yeah, I think Edge at 13 is a legit possibility, um, especially because they don't have the answer there yet. They don't have the answers there. And I'd love to let Mosu do it, but you can't trust them. You know, I'd love to let Adderley be the starting free safety, but you can't really trust them. I'd love to, be, you know. So why wonder? Take your guy. At worst, you have Pei, who turns out really good, and Mosu, who turns out really well. Like That's great. Like It's a great problem to have is multiple pass rushers. The Chargers were getting to the quarterback, getting to Mahomes in week two because they had so many pass rushers. They have such a great rotation. And so, you know, if that's Pei and Mosu and Bosa instead of, you know, Ingram and, and Mosu and Bosa, Great, like go for it. I, I'm all for it. I think it's a really good decision. I couldn't tell you if Smith is good or not, but I think it's that that train of thinking is really good. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, the first two games for the Chargers defense, like their pressure rate was Holy absurd, hell. man. They had like 54 pressures in the first two games. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to have that kind of flexibility, you know, Uchenna Moso, you're our starting outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Woody Pay, we're gonna bring you in as a situ- situational pass rusher let you just get after the quarterback and, and play loose and play free. Yeah. 
that's a that's a very proactive and smart move because that too. Wosu is a free agent after next season, and so mm-hmm. you know, getting that kind of player at thirteen, um, you know, I, I mentioned this the other day. I think to me, there are three pass rushers who have like true star potential, and that's Pay Rousseau, who I, I don't have a high grade on, but like potentially, like you can see it, like potential, sure. Mm-hmm. And then Aziz Ojulari is the other one, and so if, if one of those three is the pick at thirteen, I'm cool with it because. You know, if there's one thing that really makes everything else on defense easier, it's having legitimate pass rushers that can take pressure off of linebackers and can take pressure Mm -hmm. off of cornerbacks because they're getting after the other quarterbacks at such a high rate, which is what we saw in the first two weeks. Um, James Hudson in the second round, I'm all for this. I love James Hudson. I think he's got some serious potential there. I would just say in this kind of scenario, this is where – signing Alejandro Villanueva or somebody else at left tackle would make sense because, you know, I don't know if James Hudson is a start from day one kind of tackle. I think he has the potential to get there, but in this scenario, I think, you know, you sign Villanueva and then James Hudson would take over at right tackle for Brian Bulaga after next season, but definitely love the pick again, being proactive, which has become the theme of the day. uh, It makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense there. No, it makes perfect sense. I think we've always kind of projected him has that future right tackle. Um, is it rich to take a guy who's not really maybe going to start the entire season? Maybe, but be proactive. And yeah. and I get that there's concern. He's very raw. He's only played less than 400 snaps in all of his three years. Um, and certainly the level of competition is an issue, but he just looked, he looked so damn good at the yeah. senior bowl. You know, do you want a more day one impact guy? Sure. But you know, just when you're under the belt and, and build them as your future right tackle, I'm I'm all for it. Same like Pay, kind of like Taylor, probably like Myers or Ben Cleveland or like Ellerson Smith. These are all guys that yes, they will contribute probably in 2021, but like you can also carry them into the next season as well, which the Chargers yeah. have not done at all this past season. Yeah, absolutely. So this is definitely a very proactive draft mm-hmm. in general, which I really like, and I think this is. This is just a really smart way to build a team. Yep. So we'll get to the next one here from Thomas SoCal fan 59. This is a really interesting one as well because he took Caleb Farley at 13. Uh, This is a pro football network mock draft. uh, So a little bit different there. You know, Caleb Farley is almost never on the board at the draft network, but at pro football network, he is. I think they have JC Horn higher. Uh, I think that's why. And then he has. Lander Dickerson, Walker Little at 77, Hamakar Rashid Jr., the edge rusher at 97, Aaron Banks, the offensive lineman from Notre Dame, and then Sage Surratt, the wide receiver from Wake Forest. Um, so to me, you know, you look at this draft, you get Landon Dickerson, Walker Little, and Aaron Banks. Like, sign me up. Like, where do I sign immediately? Because I love that draft. Yeah, it's a good set. I mean, Dickerson, obviously, Walker Little. The more I, it's almost like you have to you have to really project with Walker Little. Yes. Um, I think yes. this is a, this is a move the Chargers could make. You know, the guy that was considered at some point who's going to be a future, you know, OT one in some draft to get him in the third round is pretty good. The the only issue I have with this draft overall, and it's not really an issue, it's just that there's a lot of question marks. Caleb Farley, you know, what has he done since Leonard Dickerson and his injury? Walker Little, huge question mark. You yeah, know, look at Hamilcar Rashid. You know, the debate will come down to, is he 2019? We had 15 sacks or the guy who had zero in 2020 um, on half as many rushes. Sure. But 
you know, I think there's just a lot of question marks through this and a lot of projection, but that's the nature of the, the year we're going to have. And that's the nature of this upcoming draft. So uh, based on what they've done on tape, I love Farley. I love Dickerson. I really like little, I don't, I don't love him. That's why he's in the third round. Rashid, I'm a little bit lower on. I'm not a huge fan, but if you can get that potential and you're getting with your fourth pick. Like that's, that's pretty solid. I have not watched yeah. banks or Surratt, so I'll take your word for whatever they are. <laughs> Surratt is not my favorite receiver. And I understand, yeah. you know, in the fifth round, like, to me, he just doesn't really have anything like special. Like he's not a yards after catch guy. He's not mm-hmm. a crazy jump ball guy. He's not a route runner. He does everything decently. Like he, he's that master of none kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, in, in terms of like these first four, first five picks, really, you know, Caleb Farley at thirteen, I, I would totally be get behind it. Again, I would prefer an edge rusher instead of the corner. But you know, I'm not going to say no to Caleb Farley. I think Caleb yeah. Farley is a fantastic prospect. Um, the really interesting one is Walker little, because like you said, he played one game in 2019. He opted out of this season when the PAC 12 season went to shit. Um, and totally do totally understand. It it sucks that we Mm -hmm. didn't get to see him play any games really in the last two years, but I mean, he was a huge recruit. He was, uh, I want to say second team all conference as a freshman. And he was like the Mm -hmm. conference's freshman of the year as a left tackle, Wow. And his second season was just as good. So, like, there's legitimate potential there. It's just like you said, you know, we haven't seen him play in two years. Like, it, it, did that injury hinder him at all? We don't really know. How serious was was the injury? Again, we don't know. Did he develop? Did he get stronger? We don't know. And so the potential is there. But if there's anybody that has more question marks in the draft, I, I can't think of one. Like, Walker Little is the toughest evaluation because you have to go back and watch tape from two years ago. Like Caleb Farley, yeah, like, you know, he didn't play this year, but he played in 2019. Walker Little essentially has not played football in two years. And so if you take him in the second round, I think that's probably a little rich. I would understand it, again, if you're signing like Alejandro Villanueva to be able to Mm -hmm. have Little as like a developmental tackle for a year. I would understand that move, similar to James Hudson. But I think in the third round is absolutely worth a shot because, you know, again, it's a dart throw. And I don't know of many other dart throws in the third round that have a higher ceiling than Walker Little. And by golly, if you're going to make a freaking third round pick again, (laughs) like it's all dart throws, man. It's a dart throw blindfolded and spinning. (laughs) So it really, whatever, whatever happens in the third round, like go for it. If you get, they get him in the third. It almost seems like he's a guaranteed bust at this point. Um, but I hope he does well. And that'd be, I uh, go for it. Why not? You took Craig Mager. You took Chris <laughs> Watt. Like you could do a lot worse than a guy who was projected to be an offensive tackle one at some point. Oh man. Eventually Tom Telesco has to hit a third round pick, man. Like this just cannot continue. Um, if he trades it up again, I think he sold his third round soul for a Keenan Allen. Like that was it. Like <laughs> you can have Keenan Allen, but shit for the rest of your life. Like it's always going to be bad. I don't know who they picked in the third round last year. Oh, there's nobody. Nobody. They <laughs> traded funny. it for Kenneth Murray. <laughs> that was their best pick. It was. <laughs> Eventually, he's got he's got two this year, so he's got to hit on at least one of them, man. Like, come on, Telesco, you got to figure it out. All right. So the last Sioux one that Falls. I want to <laughs> Sioux Falls. just so weird, man. Like the he was he was gonna be there in the like the fifth round. Like, what was that? <laughs> Anyways, so the last one I want to talk about here. Uh, is from Ash Till, who is uh, another podcast host. He, he does the, the 
the podcast with Lee Wakefield. I'm sorry. The name is escaping me. It's a college football podcast. Sorry, guys. Um, that's kind of <laughs> embarrassing. But anyway, so uh, his draft, he had uh, Christian Derrissaw at 13, Ronnie Perkins, the edge rusher from Oklahoma at 47, Quinn Miners, the interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin, Whitewater, who stole the show at the Senior Bowl, and then Elijah Moore, the receiver from Mississippi, Trill Williams, the cornerback from Syracuse, and then Robert Hainsey, the interior offensive lineman from Notre Dame. We got another Irishman. <laughs> we, I think cow. we had one in every single had draft. Throw it in there. I did not plan that <laughs> one. I'm sorry. Um, but Darisaw Perkins, Miners, Moore, Williams, Hainsey. What stands out to you about this one? Elijah Moore, please give me in the fourth. If he's oh man, that'd be so good. Draft, <laughs> he he's he okay. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Elijah Moore is perfect. He is the so perfect. Like, Tommy Trumbull in the fourth makes a ton of sense for what the team needs. But like this fit with Moore there is so good. Let's just take let's just take Williams in the second and then Moore in the in the, in the third round. By the way, if Moore and Miners are there in the third round, I am taking Moore over Miners 100%. every day. Like if I 100%. can get Miners later or I miss him, fine. If my if Moore is on the board in the third round, I am taking him. I don't know why he's always so late in these drafts. Like he's like the 70 or 80th guy um, on their board. Like I just don't buy that at all. Fantastic hands, fantastic route runner, incredible after contact. Um, if he were taller, he would be like first round, no problem. But he's not, and so I, I still don't know why he's dropping this far. But he he is the guy that absolutely stands out for me. Yeah, to me, you know, if you're talking about like third round picks, if you know a Tutu Atwell is there or a uh, Elijah Moore in this case or a Demetric Felton or like I don't think Rondell Moore would there would be there or a Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, like I'm taking those guys. Like, you know, I think in this draft, the third round is the best spot to take a receiver. Uh, Deami Brown is another one who's been there in the third round. That's a no brainer to me. But Elijah Moore is my wide receiver three. Like, I love Elijah Moore, man. And, yeah. and, and you talk about being the perfect fit. Like you said, he's a great route runner. He's great after the catch. He can do so many different things. Uh, and I think that's what the Chargers need. Like, could they add a Rondell Moore, a Tutu Atwell, who more of like gadget guys, downfield guys? Sure. Like, that would make a lot of sense. But Elijah Moore, like you talk about a true, true wide receiver three on the team and, and future wide receiver two. It uh, doesn't get much better than Elijah Moore, in my opinion. Yeah, certainly a different kind of wide receiver to three than a Guyton or a Williams, but I just it almost seems like he's like anti-bus potential. But the way this his hands are so good, so the good. way he can create after contact, like those two things, having great hands, and he already runs routes very, very well, and just being able to make you know plays for yourself, I it just seems so anti-bust. If he's there, I would take more in the second. Like I'll be honest right here, I don't know who Ronnie Perkins is. I have not watched him. If more is there in the second. I would generally, I would honestly consider it because I think he's that good. You have a first on him. He's your wide receiver three. I have a first on him. I think he's somewhere in the top five, top six, at least. Um, I would really, really like this guy. So this is a great, great selection. Ash, uh, you caught the best receiver. That was a really bad Pokemon joke. Move on. <laughs> nice one. Um, so Ronnie Perkins is, is interesting. Like he, uh, so he was suspended to start this season which uh, Great. I, think, I think it might be an academic thing. I don't really know enough about that situation. Um, but Daniel Jeremiah has him as a top 40, 40 player, I think he is. Um, so Daniel Jeremiah really likes him. He's really the only one that's kind of pounding the table for him. Um, 
you know, I, I was watching him play against Oklahoma State yesterday, uh, and Tevin Jenkins is a fantastic offensive tackle. I think he's one of the best in the class. Yeah. And, you know, he gave Joseph Osai a ton of problems. Like, and I love Joseph Joseph Osai. The one edge rusher that that gave Tevin Jenkins problems was Ronnie Perkins. Like his athletic tools, oh, okay. his length, and, and the athletic upside there, it, it's very tantalizing. Like it's very intriguing. But again, you know, he was suspended. He didn't really play a whole lot last year. So it's a little bit more of an unsure thing. You know, again, that's really what the edge rusher class is. Like after the big three that I mentioned, because Joe Tryon didn't play last year. He was an opt out. Uh, Quincy Roche, you know, really how good is he? So if you're going to take a gamble on an athletic edge rusher, I think Ronnie Perkins is probably the one. I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah, at some point you're trying to find some sort of upside with these guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, is the guy that's suspended ever been drafted by the Chargers? I know they've kept some PED suspension guys, but I don't know if coming out of college, you being suspended. Like the closest thing they got to any kind of character issues was Jerry Tiller stepping on a USC player once. And that was like <laughs> it. So, you know, a great academic, like I don't know if academic is the same thing as like character issues, but I just don't think, you know, Telesco is going to, go for that so you know if they take him i'd be surprised i haven't watched any of him but if he has that upside yeah you take your shot yeah so uh before i forget uh lee wakefield and ash they are the hosts of the full 10 yards college podcast i'm sorry i didn't remember that earlier i had to go look it up uh had a little brain fart there so uh charge fans please go check them out uh tyler any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show uh, this was a lot better than what we did last year. We just go through 37 of them <laughs> and watch, you know, Tua or Herbert be picked at six and then they trade back in for Austin Jackson. And like, this is a lot better than doing, you know, four. Yeah. Like, I didn't even get to do it. I just sat there and listened to you guys for two hours talking about these guys. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> so, anyway, it was, it was a lot was more fun. Better. You know, I had to, I had to make the qualifier qualifier, no trades because last year, I remember oh, there was geez. somebody that sent us one on Pro Football Network where the Chargers had three first round picks <laughs> and the guy like did not send any kind of description about what the trades were, what happened. It was just like, here's my yeah. three trades into the first round, which they ended up getting too. But it was like, I was just like so confused because it was like six, 12 and then like oh, 31. Geez. And I was yeah. like, okay, <laughs> what's the plan here? <laughs> um, but this was a lot of fun, man. I, I think that we covered a lot of different ideas. Uh, I cannot sure. get Javante Williams out of my head right now. Um, there you I, go. I don't know, man. Like, that's just super interesting. And so thank you so much for sending us that one. And thanks to everybody else who sent us other mock drafts. I think there were a lot of interesting ideas. Uh, it was just a lot mm-hmm. of fun to talk about this episode. I think this was was a good good time to talk about this because, you know, we're in that kind of lull where they're, you know, we're waiting for a free agency to start. As of recording this, we're 60 days away from the draft. And I'm super excited about that. Yeah, me too. 60 days. God, we were just talking about this. It was like 80. So it's getting there. At least we'll have yeah. free agency soon. Um, but yeah, everyone, thank you very much for sending those in. I think my main theme of this offseason or looking at these players is I'm not just going to rule someone out because it just doesn't quite make sense. And I'm just going to throw them out. Like I have Russo way down on my board of edge rushers. But you know what? I can see why they would take them at 13. Yeah. You know, should they take a running back in the second round? No. But after talking about it with you and, and considering their offensive staff, what they need, the value of the player and how good he is, like that makes sense to me too. So I, I really think it's cool to look at these different drafts. And even if you don't agree with it, at least consider these points yeah. that people are bringing up because 
you know, without saying it, I see what they're doing, whether it's being proactive or, you know, trying to fit some certain guy for a certain position or whatever it is. Like, I see what you guys are doing and it's really cool. So I really appreciate all your stuff. I can't wait for you all to be wrong, just like every other mock draft. <laughs> you know, it's totally fun to talk about different ideas because as much as we all think that the Chargers should take an offensive lineman, like in the first two rounds, you know, it gets a little boring and talking about Javante Williams <laughs> in the second round, like that's, it's just a way more fun conversation than sure. oh, Landon Dickerson for the 37th time in a row, like, <laughs> or Dylan Redunes. And like, obviously I would love those picks, but uh, definitely some fun conversations today. So thank you guys so much for sending us those mock drafts. Thanks for tuning in and uh, that'll do it for us. And we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.